My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. The little group of Mennonite missionaries left their compound in the Haitian city of Titayen. The city, in the Haitian Creole, means a little bit of nothing. Most of them had been in the country for a long time. They had four children and a baby with them. They loaded up and trundled off to the east, headed towards Quadibouquet in the direction of the Dominican border. They arrived at a destination they knew well, an orphanage they had been managing. They spent some time there and then headed back out. As they started along the way, they were stopped by men bearing guns. This is a familiar situation in Haiti, and the missionaries knew what was about to happen. One goes to her phone and starts to send messages to a group text. Please pray for us. We are being harassed and kidnapped. Fifteen adults, ladies, men, and children, close to Gantier. These are the last words we have heard from them. Today we are going to talk about a topic that none of us want to discuss. We are going to talk about kidnapping. Haiti over the last year has become the kidnapping capital of the world, with the highest per capita rate of kidnapping out of all nations. This unwanted moniker was held in previous years by the likes of Colombia, northern Nigeria, and Brazil. As we talk about it, let's put some numbers to it. As of the end of September, Haiti had 628 reported kidnappings. In my experience, this is the tiny minority of actual cases, maybe as low as 10% of them. Most are settled without involving the police. There is no way of knowing the actual toll. When I arrived in Haiti in 2019, my friends would tell me that kidnappings occurred occasionally, but there were always limits. In general, doctors, priests, the poor, and foreigners were not kidnapped. In fact, it was generally businessmen who were the targets. Over the last two years, the situation has deteriorated. I still remember the first time a doctor was kidnapped. He was a surgeon from a large hospital in Port-au-Prince. It was national, even international news. The president gave a speech demanding his immediate release. Clinics across Haiti closed their doors to outpatients until he was free. When the second doctor, a resident physician, was kidnapped in front of Port-au-Prince General, the same thing happened, just with slightly less enthusiasm. Then a pediatrician was killed during an attempted kidnapping. As time went on, the kidnappings of doctors became more and more commonplace. By 2021, these events merited only a brief mention in the news, and we went about our day. Pastors and churches have also been targeted. These do not seem to be for any particular religious reasons, just simply the fact that you have a group of people gathering all at the same time every week. This is, of course, a kidnapper's dream. Routines are their best friend. And further, the kidnappers know that the church family will band together to pay the ransom. Church kidnappings happened slowly at first, but quickly they became more brazen. There are several famous videos of gangsters entering church in the middle of live streams and hauling off the pastor at gunpoint. For a long time, kidnapping was strictly limited to Haitians. Only rarely would a foreigner be a target. There was a respect for outsiders, but I think this had more to do with pragmatism. There has always been the sense that the United States, particularly, is the 800-pound gorilla looking over Haiti's shoulder. I'm not saying this is a good thing, I'm just saying this is how it is. Gangs felt that if they kidnapped Americans, the U.S. Embassy would bring retribution. But slowly over the past two years, armed groups have tested the waters in this regard. In 2020, they kidnapped 24 Americans in total. The groups took notice. Nothing really happened. They started to take foreigners in larger numbers. 
Earlier this year in Quadibouquet, a French priest and nuns were kidnapped and held for three weeks. Again, nothing really happened. The same gang then kidnapped a German woman and an Italian engineer in the same area. As the bands realized that there were no real consequences and large amounts of available money, they became bolder, culminating in the kidnappings 10 days ago of 16 Americans and one Canadian missionary. The gangs feel so emboldened that the chief of the gang held a press conference surrounded by hundreds of people in the middle of a road in Quadibouquet, announcing that he would blow the heads off the missionaries if their organization did not pay $1 million per victim, making for a total demand of $17 million. How do kidnappings happen? Let's look at that. And it's hard for Americans to imagine this. For many of us, our only frame of reference for kidnappings is the movie Taken or Law & Order SVU. There are two primary types of kidnappings, opportunistic and targeted. For a long time, targeted kidnappings, where the victim is followed and then taken, were much more common. In order to combat this, all of us in Haiti attempt to avoid routines. We go in each day using a different road. You vary the times you go to the store and the time you leave at the end of the workday. Even with these precautions, many of these events are purported to be inside jobs. There is a Haitian proverb, Say rat kai ki mange kai. It means it is the house's rat that eats the house. Essentially, this means it is the people around you and nearby that are the most likely culprits. Many houses, even lower class, have people who work in the house, cooking, driving, or simply living there to have a place to stay. Gangs simply need to threaten these people with a gruesome death to force them to give up the schedule for other people in the house. Then, as that person is leaving, the group is waiting. Over the past year, though, opportunistic kidnappings have been on the rise. The French priest and this most recent group of missionaries seem to have fallen victim to this. Given the general lawlessness in the streets of Port-au-Prince, armed gangs will simply wait and stop vehicles. Sometimes they rob them, sometimes they kidnap them. This randomness somehow feels more threatening than the targeted attempts. And the randomness has meant that all parts of society are affected. Gangs are now kidnapping all the way to the poorest of the poor, extorting them for whatever paltry sums they can gather and forcing their families to borrow from their community and friends to try to release their loved ones. What happens when one is kidnapped? The stories are myriad, but usually similar. They are first transported to one of the many no-go zones in the city. This is a crucial element that allows the situation to continue. There are now many zones, some estimate 50% of the capital city, that are no longer in government hands. Once hostages are brought to these zones, rescue is not possible. The Haitian police are outgunned by these armed groups that are armed to the teeth with automatic weapons. And what about after this? Negotiation. And you might say, we don't negotiate with terrorists. This will only make them stronger. Yes, yes, we all know that. We hate it. But if they have your wife or child, you always pay. Even the United States government recognizes that negotiation and payments are necessary. Everyone pays. Or else the hostage dies. The moral high ground of saying that we do not negotiate is only available for those that are not facing the situation. This is not a theoretical exercise. Could the U.S. attempt a rescue mission? Certainly, they could, but my understanding is that this is generally viewed as a last resort because it is very dangerous for the hostages. The safest way is to negotiate. And this leads to a crucial point. Kidnapping in Haiti is different from Syria or northern Nigeria. There is no real ideology here other than money. The goal of the gang leaders is to remain alive and make money. And I suppose, in a twisted way, there is some comfort in that. 
at least you are negotiating with rational actors who will make predictable moves and mostly avoid suicidal decisions. So what about these 17 missionaries? No one knows what will happen, and things could change the day after this podcast is released. The wrinkle here is that the world knows and is watching this kidnapping. People, mostly Haitians, but also French, American, Chinese, etc., have been kidnapped the past two years, and there was not significant attention. Perhaps this could change things, but normally, the gangsters will make an unrealistic first offer. In the case of these missionaries, this has obviously already happened, as the gang leader has demanded $17 million. However, if this goes like most negotiations, over the next three to four weeks, the two sides will go back and forth and settle on something much lower, probably around $500,000. Towards the end of their kidnapping, the gangsters will likely start to withhold food and water to put pressure on the negotiators. But with any hope, within a month, these missionaries will be back home. The kidnapping situation is severe in Haiti and will continue to worsen unless something drastic happens. The situation with the 17 hostages should act as the visible iceberg to the desperate situation that is unfolding in Haiti. For every American kidnapped, there are hundreds of Haitians, both rich and poor. The government is in the midst of a full collapse, and the gangs are filling that void. I will leave you with this final anecdote to illustrate how bad the situation has become. Every year on the anniversary of the death of Haiti's first leader, the head of state lays a wreath at a monument. This year, the prime minister with his security detail attempted to do just this. Unfortunately, Haiti's largest gang leader, Barbecue, attacked the detail and forced them to turn around. And then, in place of the head of state, Barbecue, dressed in a white suit, laid a wreath on the monument. The state has fallen. Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from life here. We are simply telling stories as we have seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history, and there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names may have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti, or to get involved, visit us on the web at lightfromlight.me. Thank you and God bless.